The Metaphysical Connection is brought to you by our sponsors, the Trinity Whip Company, handcrafted whips by Blake Brunning. Incredible form as well as function. TrinityWhipCo.com. We are also brought to you by Chester Cordite, modern vintage menswear inspired by the golden age of the 1930s and 40s. ChesterCordite.com. Landron Artifacts is the place to go for your amazing wall reliefs that were inspired by set designs for motion pictures such as Raiders of the Lost Ark, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Aliens, and of course, the originals created by the Aztecs, Mayans, and Olmecs. Add ancient mystery and intrigue with his products by going to LandronArtifacts.com. Don't forget the friends of our show, Recreating History and Penman Hats. You can find out more about our sponsors and the Metaphysical Connection by going to our homepage, metaphysicalpodcast.com, or join our group, facebook.com slash groups slash the Metaphysical Connection. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is the Metaphysical Connection, Episode 65, Ancient Crystal Skulls. I'm your host, Carol Fisk. This episode is dedicated to Jim Mars, author of many books in the realm of conspiracies and the paranormal, one of the true greats in our field. His dedication and personality will really be missed. This time, my husband Eric welcomes back Professor Walt Schnabel from his vacation before the two of them discuss the various news items from the realm of the paranormal. Then the conversation devolves into the usual adolescent banter about Eric's vanity, lizard people coming out of hiding during the eclipse, reptiles in government, and pompous jokes about Governor Chris Christie and Greenpeace. Then our hapless heroes talk about ancient crystal skull technology, crystal skulls, and Eric knocks the dust off his cowbell each time Walt mentions the Anunnaki. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Carol, just one more thing. That was not pompous jokes about Chris Christie. That's porpoise jokes about Chris Christie. Oh, oh damn. That, that was my thing. I was going to play some Crystal Gale as that part was of your, the show. your go-to. That was my go-to. Because who doesn't, who does not like Crystal Gale? Me. Not even like, just, isn't she a little appealing on the mm, eyes? Nah. No. Nah. Nope. All right. Nothing about her appeals to me. I don't believe that. I, okay, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a pass on that. Thanks. So, you're back from vacation. I am back. I'm back in bed. How was it? How back, was you? Back in the saddle, as they say. We're back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Aerosmith, I think. Yeah, so what, so what did you do on vacation that was really exciting? Start with your t-shirt. Yeah, well, it, yeah, I got this cool t-shirt from a Port, uh, Portland street artist who uh, travels around the country. Yeah. Selling her art and whatever else people will buy, I, I assume. Yep. Um, yeah, so I was at the Jersey Shore hanging out with the boss. All right. Not, not Bruce Springsteen, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, you know how um, it is. Yeah, well, we had a good time. And yeah. Nice, nice beach weather. And we yeah. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't, you know, like 95 degrees and... Yeah, ninety percent humidity. It was. Yeah, it was actually fairly comfortable. Did 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 you see Governor Christie? I did not. <laughs> no, you I didn't. Did not. I, I have expected mm-hmm. to see him on the. I've beach seen with... him in a lot of memes, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> in different places, but... <laughs> like like the weekend at Christie's. <laughs> yeah, there's there's all kinds of good ones I've seen. 
There's just uh, one great... I saw him in the, the best one I saw was him being on the beach and Jaws coming up. <laughs> that was the one I liked the most. Actually. Somebody had done this and it was completely, totally tasteless. But somebody had photoshopped Chris Christie and and uh, and some uh, Greenpeace activists saying, help us get us back in the water. It's dying. <laughs> oh, I'm the governor. <laughs> I don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> So, so speaking of beach, I I saw some uh, some pictures of of Eric on the beach. Yeah, you sure did. Shirtless, no, no I know. No less. I know. Um, I know. You know, see as you're seeing those pictures. Yeah. And, and seeing you now, I, I I can kind of seeing you as a you know physique wise anyway as a, as a sort of a young Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> physique, you know. Well, well. Uh, oh, wait a second. No, I'm sorry. I, I bought cheap clips glasses. <laughs> See, here I take it that is, back. Here it is. I think that you're giving me a compliment because for the past year, I've been a part of this uh, um, um, exercise diet spiritual regime at Lucky Thirteen in uh, in Burlington, right, Massachusetts. Right, right, right. No, and, it's 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 clearly shown results. And, yeah. and um, it used it used to be that you know the, these women used to say, "Oh my God, close your shirt!" And now it's like I go everywhere. It's like, "Oh, open your shirt." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> did you did you see my comment? By the way, I did. <laughs> you want to share with the group? Well, I commented on Eric's. Um, Facebook post of him on the beach with his shirt off. Yeah. And I, I think it went something like this. Um, how did you crop out the crowd of bikini-clad women trying to get a closer look? It <laughs> <laughs> was something like that. All my wife had to do was just wave her gun and say... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He's mine, ladies. Yeah. So anyway... Um, I, 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 one final comment on that. I was, sure. I was going to bring in a Putin reference but <laughs> but I but I decided to be kind <clears throat> Walt actually wanted to get somebody to photoshop me on the horse with Putin <laughs> right on, on, the, on the back of course <laughs> behind Putin no doubt uh, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna remake Brokeback Mountain <laughs> yeah okay well you got a lot of mileage out of that I know that Facebook I, I could just imagine Putin I wish I could get over you. I wish I could get past you. <laughs> After we look loose and squirrel. Luckily, we didn't get a picture of Donald Trump with his shirt off. Oh, God, no. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> that would be painful. So we, okay. we have some really sad news Not to pass along, along here. We do. Because yeah. the thing is... Um, Whenever I'm working outside, I like to plug in one of my audiobooks and, and re-listen to it. You know how like some people like to listen to music. I like to listen to audiobooks. Yeah, you know, multitask. And I was that's, that's good, good thing to do. And I quote, re-listened unquote to Jim Mars's book, uh, "The Rise of the Fourth Reich." Mm. It's one of those. It's I think that is if you're into the paranormal, it's the a, supernatural, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a phenomenal. It's book. a must read. Yeah. And the thing is, every time I listen to it. I always get something new out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, while I was um, working on the pond in the South Yard, um, I listened to it again. And, and Walt called me up and he said, "Hey, listen, I'm back in town. What do you want to What do you want to do? You want to talk about a show?" And I says, "I want to try and get Jim Mars on the show." And Walt had said, <laughs> "Good Good luck with that, Eric. He He died like last week. He, yeah." <clears throat> 
Yeah. Well, Eric didn't know it. Well, you know, I, I didn't Eric know. can't know everything. No. So, I mean, but the thing is that it was like... So, I was thinking, you know, good luck with that, trying to get that interview. That was a punch in the stomach, though. It's like you'd have to go into another dimension or something. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, and I looked at his uh, bibliography or all the all the his collection of works that he did mm. and he he wrote one of the one of the essential books on the Kennedy assassination crossfire oh, and yeah that uh, was probably his one of his biggest one books, of his biggest it? books yeah. and it was turned into a like uh turned into a documentary and stuff and yeah I mean yeah. what I mean what a loss he did yeah he did it well, he he did a lot of work I mean he he actually started out as a mainstream journalist yeah and uh, his big thing that got him started in the field was there was supposed to have been an alien buried in Texas yeah, somewhere. Yeah, and he went to the grave, and and the, um, I don't know whether he had it, tried to have it exhumed or something. And yeah, this was for an article he was doing. Um, and apparently the body was moved at some point. Whatever it was, yeah, it was moved. So he, uh, he and got, that and that he, started that, him that, on the path, like jump started him. Yeah, his his interest in the field, and then he went from there. Yeah. He was a renowned guy in the field. I think that he's right up there with Art Bell. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I would say. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite um, book of his that uh, that you think is, like, essential that everybody should run out and read right now, or? Well, in, in terms of my interest, I, I, I like Alien Agenda. Yeah. It really uh, correlated with a lot of my thinking yeah. and my viewpoint. But, you know, the... The Fourth Reich book is, yeah. is right up there too. Yeah, and you know he he's got so many good books. It's hard to 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 really even pin yeah. one down. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, somebody who has not read him or experienced his work should you know look at his catalog yeah. on Amazon or something. I, I think that if you're going to start reading um, all of his all of his books, start with the rise of the Fourth Reich. Yeah, that's that's right up there. That is that's, that's really, that is it really pulls together a lot. Yeah. Of the things we talk yeah. about. One of the things that we're, we are not going to talk about what happened in Charlottesville directly, but what I really wanted to talk to you about is the sort of like the notion that the entire Western world is going crazy, if not the entire world. You look at what's going on with North Korea and um, Kim Jong-un is going crazy with his missiles. We have turmoil all over the all over the world with these countries not knowing, you know, which side is up. Violence is being ramped up all over the country. Uh, all over the country, yeah, a lot of terrorists. A lot, a lot of terrorism. Um, and this is sort of like a refresher from an earlier show that we did about the archons and the parasites of Loche. And mm -hmm. I think people need to be reminded of who or what the archons were, Walt. Well, the archons are a group of beings. I guess you could classify them as that. That apparently feed off of um, fear, yeah. People's emotional um, fear is basically negative what it is. emotions. Yeah, negative emotions, and supposedly they create these situations to uh, to get themselves happy on this substance that's yeah. given off called loche. That is, uh, you know, something that they they feed on. Um, and this goes back to, um, <clears throat> I, I uncovered one of the, one of the great joys I think of doing this show is, and I know you've experienced this too, is when you yeah. start researching a topic, like today we're going to talk about crystals and, and crystal skulls and a that, a that ancient kind of crystal thing. technology. Right, right. 
when when you start doing research on that, you get off onto these side tracks yeah. of things. And and one of the things that that I discovered um, in doing the research for today's show is um, this this guy called Anton Parks. Yeah. Yes. And and he's a French author. Um, and and he talks about this this energy, this mm-hmm. group of sub group of beings that feeds off of um, people's you know people's fear and and um, they the reason behind it really is that um, they need to they they need to get this energy to to keep vibrating at a certain level because yeah. their vibrational level is out of sync with with what the planet's vibrational level is. So they need to yeah. use that to keep vibrating at a level to make themselves combat- compatible with the planet. Yeah. So it's not really, well, I mean, it could be like a pleasure thing too, but yeah. But it's kind of both. So it's an interesting point of view, I think. And I, I think that could account for a lot of the, a lot, and a lot of it too is to keep the human race uh, vibrating at a lower level. Yeah, and it's doing a great job. <clears throat> They're doing a good job. Because, if you stop and think about it for long enough, I, I don't think that human beings have ever had it as good as we have it now. I might be wrong. And I'm not, I'm talking about our current civilization here now in what we well, call the 21st century. What do you mean by good? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that we have the internet, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we, which could be good or bad, which could be good or bad. Yeah. We have access to information, news information, movies, TV, music. Did I say music already? We have, you know, Grocery stores are packed full of anything you can possibly imagine, except for really good calamari. I can't seem to find good calamari anymore um, at the local grocery store. But we have access to things that you, you couldn't imagine. You could go on Amazon and you could order something. It will be here within the next couple of days. Yeah, that's, that's very true. That's very true. I, and, and yeah, I mean, we have a lot of conveniences. Sure. sure. I, I agree with that. I'm not sure that we're really functioning at a at a high level in 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 terms of our spiritual right um viewpoint but i think i think we're we're rich in material things but we're poor in in spiritual development no i totally agree with holding us back i really i i I do i think that we somehow we've lost some of our spirituality with all of Mm -hmm. this modern convenience the dreaded c word convenience is that well it's sort of separating us from that yeah you know you can part of things you can stay home and you can just hang out on the internet hang out on facebook and all of your facebook groups a lot of people i think do that and never have to interact with another human being and and, you know you get to gravitate towards people who agree with you on any various topics or whatever and we i think that we are becoming compartmentalized well it's it's kind of becoming tribal almost in some sense I don't think it's 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 kind of becoming tribal. I think it is actually okay. becoming yeah. tribal. Okay. I do. I I, I bl- yeah. honestly believe that we are devolving into these. But what tribes. that does is it pits, and and our illustrious leader is is I think either either by design or by happenstance is is creating deep divisions within the within America. Yeah. Um, which is. Pitting one side against the other. And I don't think it's just this one president. 
in particular right now. I think well, that this is he, he's certainly exasperating it. Oh no, absolutely. But I think that this this has been a trend that I've been witnessing over the past twenty years. Whereas there's a serious division between one side versus the other. Mm-hmm. And it was like if you just sat down with somebody, you'd realize that you have more in common with that person. Yeah, than you and have. you can usually come to some kind of an agreement. You can at least agree to disagree. You may not have it the used same to be that way philosophical point of view, but um, that's okay. You know, you everybody's entitled to their own viewpoint on things as long as it doesn't impact somebody else's existence. I right, think. right. You know, that to me, that's where it should draw the line. Yeah, you know, I, I had this conversation with my son about where do you draw the line on the First Amendment. You know, do do people have the right to say like really hateful, demeaning things to people? Sure. Is, is, does that overstep the the boundaries of of the First Amendment? You know, when you're when you're saying something that's injurious to to another human being. Yeah. Like I dislike all these people who are different than me, and I think we should exterminate those people. Yeah. I, I think mean, that, stuff like that. But yeah. for I mean, for me, I think it's great that we're able to hear people say things like that so if i see that person at the grocery store or if he owns a business Mm -hmm. and after hearing that i will know not to go to that person ever again because he says i like me i like people who put their cards out i like i like it when people tell you exactly what they're thinking so there's no ambiguity if somebody is an a-hole, I want to know that that person's yeah, but, but an a-hole. Do, but do they have the right to, to demean people oh. uh, in the course of that um, conversation or whatever? Exactly. And, but, and where do you draw the line? Uh, that's the whole thing. You know, that's, that's what, you know, the ACLU is getting a lot of criticism now for defending the, the people in Charlottesville. But, you know, I, I guess it's somebody's got to sort of balance the equation somehow, you know, and I don't agree with a lot of what they do. I, I understand the the viewpoint behind it. Sure. I, I just think that some people, have, some things are just indefensible. Oh, no. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's sort of like if you had an employer and that employer had said some things that were like apprehensible. Mm-hmm. You, and the thing is, you'd want to know that that person has these thoughts and ideas so right. you can make a decision not to work for that person anymore. Right. You know, I, yeah. I don't I don't want these people to go underground and then talk amongst themselves in in, in their basements and stuff like that. Well, well they're, they're going to do that anyway. Well, they are, yeah. you know, but at least the thing is, is that now we have a better idea who to watch out for. Yeah, I guess. I, I just think that that sort of reinforces the, you know, the concept. Yeah. Of, you know, w- w- my, my thought goes to what would have happened if, if Hitler had been um, put in his place. You know, early on, sure, like not not like the, allowed to to get the ball rolling. Like the minute, like maybe the, things would have been different. Like maybe the, there'd be, you know, the minute we found out that he was exterminating Jews, I think. Oh no, even earlier have, than even that, earlier when than he that. was spewing out all that hate about Jews and yeah, you know all that um, anti-Semitic rhetoric that he he was famous for. But then, of course, if we do a pre- um, preemptive first strike against Hitler and, and assassinate him. No, I don't mean assassinate. I mean, just not let him keep. That was a nice sound effect. That was. That's and a great sound effect. Pluck, pluck my spring on my microphone. Yeah. Um, I got to get my podcast legs back again. Yeah. I'm done for, yeah. for a while. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. I, I You know, there's, there's no clear answer. But somebody could just, easily label what I say as hate speech because... I, I I distrust people who don't have an open mind towards the paranormal. 
I consider people who do not believe in the possibility of the paranormal. Yeah, you're not saying they should be murdered. Or, or did you? Did I miss that? No, oh. no. I, I mean, I would never say anything oh. like. I, I, I would mean, hope not. I mean, I mean, but I mean, the thing is, I mean, I would say, I think, I, I think rapists and child molesters should be killed. No, is that considered hate speech? No, maybe. I don't know. I, I can't say. Disagree totally with that right. statement, but but somebody, yeah, I mean, people who do heinous things to other people are not, yeah, really worthy of being part of the human race. But a pedo- they should be either put in prison or something. But one of those <clears throat> crazy groups like NAMLA could say Eric Fisk is perpetuating hate speech. We should shut oh, him yeah, down. Yeah, you could, you could. Yeah. Anyway, let's read. It's let's, a ridiculous. Let's leave it at that. It, it's, um, so the, the Atlantic had published a story that coincides with what we were talking earlier about the Archons. How to spot the reptilians running the U.S. government, and I skimmed this article, and um, it sort of gives you a rundown on how conspiracy theorists like us can actually spot <laughs> reptiles who are in Congress. Well, how do you do it? Well, the I'd thing like is, I think the thing is, is like if you see somebody like Mitch McConnell, like uh, the, the easiest thing tail. would be to how to how to spot the reptilians who are part of who are not part. The reptilians and the people in Congress who are not reptilians. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I went went a long way with that one, but <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of them are. But how do you spot them? I don't. Well, oh, it, 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 it tells you. We're going to have a. We have an actual a link to the article in the show page um, uh, for this uh, for this episode. And the thing is, is that it was just like I, I read it. And I'm kind of like. Uh, that does kind of make a little sense. You know, it's like if, if their eye color changes in certain light. <laughs> that could be an indicator. Yeah. <laughs> or if their tongue starts starting in and out. <laughs> like Mitch McConnell. Like Mitch McConnell, yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't even hide it well. I mean, I, I could easily see him as a reptilian. But, I mean, one of the things that I, I mean, I think that it's there is something reptilian about a lot of these co- Congress people, whereas it's like, I'm, I mean, I'm going to poke fun at Maggie Hassan for a second. Maggie Hassan will you know had no idea what was going on with the heroin epidemic and if she did she turned a blind eye to it and and that there were nights when she was governor when she was governor yeah and there was she had she ignored the fact that there was funding to combat the heroin addiction here in new hampshire and the thing is is at the very same night she's going to these galas where she's wearing these you know thousand dollar gowns and stuff like that and 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 it was the the price of admission was like one thousand five hundred dollars for a plate and it was like there's this disconnect whereas it's almost this inhuman disconnect between reality and politics yeah i'd say that's pretty standard for the Standard operating procedure for and, and get, to get and, to that point. And get back to Chris Christie for a second. Where is it like, how could he not know that going to the beach on, what was it, 4th of July weekend or, or Memorial Day weekend, and he was on the beach by him. It was a state-owned beach. That was closed. That was closed. Because budgetary. Because yeah, he knew. He knew that. He, he did it because he could do it. Because he, he feels like he's... You know, above everybody else, because he's he, he said he said, well, if you want to go to the beach when it's closed, you become governor. That was his that was his statement. Couldn't you thing. say that's a little reptilian, though? I mean, that's well, in, yeah, inhuman. Yeah, I think you could say that. I mean, it's definitely. <laughs> you look at you, you definitely not a humanistic point of view. You look at you look at these politicians who have all of these perks of the jobs, and and it was 
how is it that somebody in politics who's been in politics for 20 or 30 years and their their pay is only a hundred thousand dollars a year how is it they're multi-millionaires it's called corruption eric isn't that somehow inhuman no, isn't that inhumane it's, it's the way it is it's it's the way things operate you know it's i mean i lived in new jersey that's a that's a corruption capital of the world with all the People being bribed and politicians yeah. in somebody's pocket, and you know, I mean, come on, that's the way it. Yeah. But my question is, how does somebody like Chris Christie get to be governor of a state when he's obviously such a low life? You know, such a, such a. I, I, I won't call him a low life. I'll call him a low vibrating person. Right. You know, how did so many people vote for him? That's because he had because he. <clears throat> he had, a he lot had of some line of rhetoric that people bought. Yeah. You know that he was going to. Save the state money and all, you know, all the stuff probably that people. I saw him early on when he was running. I was at the Jersey Shore when his ads were running. And yeah, it was just all stuff that he spewed out that, you know, resonated with people because they were basically unhappy with the status quo. And he took advantage of that and ended up just doing what he was going to do once he got in there anyway. You know? And then it, he got another term at two terms. Is, is it more of the status quo? Is it just more of the same? I, I I don't know. I I think he's, you know, he's probably as corrupt as everybody else in the, and that's part of part of the way people get elected is they get that machine behind them, and they get the money behind them, and then it's hard to hard to top beat the ads that they run and all that yeah. stuff. You know, if you don't have a bunch of money, you're gonna have a hard time getting, and you don't have one of the big parties behind you, you're gonna have a hard time getting elected. I could never get elected then, because no, you can get elected to dog catcher, Eric. Well, maybe. So anyway, I'm looking here for Ancient Origins is one of our our favorite websites. Absolutely, it's got and some cool stuff on there. Yeah, we we actually steal a lot of, <laughs> a lot of our stuff here. Um, they've done an, an incredible borrow, borrow, borrow. We plagiarized. No, I'm just kidding. Um, they have done a a series of articles um, on. Uh, lost knowledge of the ancients and they ask this very important question here and we've addressed this question before many times especially after reading Philip Copen's book The Ancient Civilization Enigma um, they we're, have this, we're gonna have to start ringing a bell every time you mention that Eric because that's getting Phil like, Copen's yeah, that's, that's getting in the Anunnaki realm <laughs> I said it <laughs> there's the bell get the bell out so but we're gonna talk more about them later yeah but the thing is that it was like um I think that the idea of there being a civilization here on Earth before the humans, I think that that's getting getting traction. Where there was another human oh, civilization. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's to me that from the readings I've done, that's it's it's clear. There's yeah. no there's no debate in my mind. Yeah. Anymore. Uh, we're going to talk. You know, we're going to kind of get to that today. I think with a crystal, ancient crystal technology and things like that. Yeah. Um, there's two. So one one thing I want to talk about too. Well, actually, two things. Um, sure. There was what I think a hundred scientists that came out against um, development of autonomous weapons. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, they yes. actually presented something to the UN, I think, because they, they they saw that as a very big step toward humanity losing its grip on one of the things. biggest stories that we were not able to cover because um walt was on vacation is that um they had um elon musk and a whole bunch of other people were doing developing artificial intelligence and they sort of turned whatever it was on 
all these machines, these artificial intelligent machines, and within like 30 seconds, they developed their own language and they started talking back and their forth to each other, their own consciousness. Yeah. Oh, that's and, scary. and we shut it down. Well, that's what we, what we talked about, the dangers of, uh, of you know, that kind of technology it's becoming self-aware. Is yeah. That really what it comes to. I mean, that's really what 2001 is about. And, and the Terminator. Know, the that, yeah, the Terminator, right. There's a lot of really right. great science fiction out there. And, you know, it's, I think it's kind of happened before in, in different universes or different, you know, that, that is a pretty universal theme, I think, when yeah. technology kind of transplants the, the humanistic um, approach to things. It's terrifying. Yeah, I think that's kind of what happened in Atlantis way back, way back when. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Later. Artificial technology <clears throat> just running amok. Right, and and taking over. And, yeah. And being the the end all to be all. And you know, we you were you were talking about conveniences before. Well, think about all the all the things that we rely on technologically. You know. Do you think that it's you're like, you're way more tech, technological than I am? Oh yeah. You know, your footprint, your technological footprint is much bigger than ours um, than my right. wife and I right <clears throat> I mean wife doesn't even have a cell phone so yeah that tells you anything but I mean I mean there's a there's a great science fiction story that I think that a lot of people sh ought to read as a as a as a warning it's Harlan Ellison's um, I have no mouth and I must scream whereas yeah, cool name cool title and the thing is is that what happens when technology like a quote Skynet or mm -hmm. a quote Colossus Hal 9000, whatever you, whatever it will call itself. Whatever you want to represent it as. Decides, <clears throat> hey, wait a minute, you know, these human beings created me. I see that they're a huge inconvenience. What's going to happen when AI decides we are a huge inconvenience and we're in the way and we're making things right. worse? Right. How is AI going to cleanse the earth without cleansing itself from the earth at the same time? Because as soon as you get this thing hooked up to the internet and all of these... Well, it's like a Ether. virus, or if it yeah. goes viral. So yeah. Do you really think that, that some kind of advanced artificial intelligence isn't going to say, it would really be really convenient for me to get rid of all these human beings? Because now we're talking about putting robots in space, self-healing robots mm -hmm. in orbit to pick up all the junk that we've left out in space. Mm -hmm. At what point... It's, it's, it goes back to sort of to Blade, the theme of Blade Runner. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it's dangerous. At what point is where, where do you, where do you give up your uh, your autonomy? At what point is is a robot going to say, "I'm working my ass off here cleaning up after these monsters"? I appreciate the fact that, but they keep making more work for me. Is that me? Yeah, it's you. I think that you should move the chair a little off to one side. Uh, or the I'll other. try Doesn't not matter. to swing. Uh, yeah, but at what point are they going to snap and say, "No, I don't think so"? Well, and you know, oddly enough. Humans were created for that purpose way, way back in the yeah. ancient past by the by the <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to talk a little I'm going to um, expound on that a little bit more today as yeah. part of our crystal discussion Yeah, so you know apparently a number of countries are working on autonomous weapons China and um, I can't believe that at some point North Korea is not gonna be working on them you know, How do you know that they're not already? Sorry, well, they could be uh, that's where they put all their money into um, but China and some of the, you know, more developed countries, or Japan, I think they're all kind of working in that direction. 
And that's what these scientists are trying to prevent. Japan, well, the thing is, is that Japan has a real serious problem with Fukushima Daiichi and that power plant. Well, yeah, but they also do a lot of of high-end development, uh, robot development. Yeah, but the thing is, is that they need some sort of robot or something, because you cannot have human beings go into that contaminated um, region and clean up. Who would want to do that? I mean, really? Unless you have terminal cancer or something, you know that. I, I would it's only, a good, I, nice chunk of money for your family. I, I, I would do it. I would do it if you could guarantee my kids would be happy and safe. That's the only reason why I would I would volunteer to do it. Mm. If if my kids if the li- if the lives of my children were in danger, I, I would I wouldn't hesitate. So well, yeah, but you want a robot to do that. You want you want yeah. a self healing robot mm-hmm. to do that. And I think they're working on that. Yeah, and what happens when that self-healing robot who's cleaned up all of that uh, radiation is finished? Well, then what? You they it, move on to other things. Yeah, like... You know, like like cleaning up the town. Right. You know, stuff like that, I don't know. And then, and then cleaning up the humans who created that mess in the first place. <laughs> right, right. That's the, you know, that's the, that is the theme of Blade Runner, really, I mean, when you think about it. Yeah. That's, that's what happened, you know? and that's what could happen. You know? Yeah. I think that we're past. Um, I think I think we are our past due. So, anyway, hey, listen, it's been a half. Oh, one one more quick thing, sure. which which um, kind of harkens back to a previous show we did about sound technology. Yes. Um, apparently, that I, I find this hard to imagine that the Cubans, the Cuban, some faction of the Cuban government or some oh, they yeah used used sound weapons apparently on U.S. diplomats. Yeah. They used either high frequency or low frequency. Frequency that's just beyond our, yeah. To, to mess these people up, like it messed with their hearing and their equilibrium and... Um, Getting a bad case of nausea. Yeah, so that's weird. I think that's yeah. really weird that that... But it's, it just shows you that people are working on stuff like that that we just don't yeah, know It used about. to be science fiction. And would you think... I mean, would you think Cuba would be doing? I mean, I can see Russia. Yeah, I get. I, I can. I, I can. I can see the Russians using Cuba as a as a as a test bed again. Well, that's true. I didn't think about that. That's that's a good possibility. Yeah. Yeah. They could have like given them the technology. Oh, sure. Adjusted it to them. Or, sure. I just I just didn't see Cuba as being having that sophisticated of a scientific community. But, no. but maybe they do. I don't know. Foreign. They've been sort of cordoned off from the world for a long time so yeah. maybe Russia is working through there yeah wouldn't surprise me I don't, a, I don't, good, I don't doubt thought. it at all it's a good I don't point. doubt it at all I just thought I'd throw that out there because we've right. talked about that in the past yeah so okay so I guess it's time for it's it's quick for a quick coffee break and um, yeah so stay tuned okay battling daily whip fever sadly there is no cure only treatment more whips. This podcast is brought to you by the Trinity Whip Company, proudly bringing you traditionally made kangaroo whips with top quality craftsmanship in form as well as function, handcrafted by Blake Running. You can find them at www.trinitywhipco.com and on the Metaphysical Connection main page. Crystal Blue Persuasion Yeah. 
I, I just I just hate it. Yeah, no, I hate it when I reboot my my laptop and um, I close all these windows and I don't save the windows because the thing is I found this fascinating story about ancient crystal technology. Um, these and um, Eric von Donegan had um, written about this in one of the follow-up books to Chariots of the Gods. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that. Uh, you're familiar, obviously you're familiar with Star Trek, especially Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm -hmm. and remember the, like, the isolinear chips, these crystal-like um, rectangles mm -hmm. and that they used to like put into like the computer to like, store information yeah. or rewire yeah. the computer? Yeah. Well, the thing is that apparently, according to Eric Von Donegan, mm -hmm. they actually found, I don't know if they're computer chips or whatever they are, but these chips with these crystal... Tablets? Ta like these tablets, these small mm -hmm. crystal tablets. Yeah, I've heard of that. And they had these etchings on them that mm -hmm. look like circuit board etchings yeah, in the, in, in the crystal. Yeah. And they were found in this cave in Peru. A lot of weird stuff is like showing up in Peru. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it is like, like, and then you follow that and they're actually starting to, they've reached the limit of how fast you can make silicon handle information with you know the modern computer chips right so now the thing is is that now they're they're coming up with the technology or they're working on the technology to put computer chips in in crystal artificial quartz crystal mm -hmm. that you can put in almost anything and the thing is is that they're able they're able to it works like silicon but on a different level mm -hmm. you know in the crystal technology and it's like and i'm wondering if we if we're rediscovering technology that was lost during the the great cataclysm twelve thousand years ago oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that actually i i pretty much accept that as standard history so what from do, my viewpoint anyway where do we want to begin when talking about ancient crystal technology and then I guess we're going to evolve towards crystal skulls and what the crystal right, skulls right. are supposed to be. Well, I guess that probably the logical place to start is is where crystal technology was extremely prevalent and and used um, as an energy source, which yeah. would be Atlantis. Sure. Um, now, now a lot of this information, of course, is not chronicled in you know actual. Historic in an actual historical sense, but it, a, a lot of this has come down from like Edgar Casey's readings, yep, um, the, the Sleeping Prophet, <clears throat> and I, I was listening to a, a to a guy named Raymond Tarpey, who um, was a traditional researcher, and he started you know looking into all these different things about ancient technologies and stuff, and he wasn't able to really get any. He, he ran out of information in mm -hmm. a traditional sense. Mm -hmm. So he started studying Casey's readings, which I think there's over a thousand of them altogether. Yeah, um, there's a lot. And he, yeah, there's a lot. And he, and, he, and he really started getting some answers to questions that he had. And and one of the things was that, um, <clears throat> you know, that in Atlantis apparently was was a, an ancient society, which, you know, I think pretty much everybody has heard of. Right. And And they used crystals as a way to power their... Everything. Yep, you know. Sure. Um, so the offshoot of that is that this technology was extremely developed at, at a much earlier point in our history, supposedly. Mm -hmm. Right. And we are now 
just sort of getting back to that or starting to touch on it. I mean, a lot of our devices now are powered by, by crystal technology, we really. Have, as a matter of fact, sitting here in my office right here, I can think of three um, examples of using liquid crystal displays or LED displays. Not the same, um, but close enough. And... and um, there was once a time um, whereas is like if you wanted to be able to tune into certain radio stations mm -hmm. you have to have a special crystal right. installed into your radio receiver mm -hmm. and and I mean since oh, before before the onset of solid state I remember you know talking to my dad about crystal technology as mm -hmm. as in you know um, uh, people using it for two-way communications whereas it's like you used right. to have you know it's funny you mentioned that my as i've referenced on previous shows my father was an electronics engineer no <clears throat> one of the first well not one of the first but one of one of the like big gifts that he gave me i guess mm -hmm. was a was a kit a crystal radio kit sure and i spent probably like a whole day putting it together you know i was like transfixed on it you know and uh, much to his great delight, because he figured I was going to follow in his footsteps, which I ended up not doing. But <clears throat> but he, he was quite delighted that I put my time into to building this little crystal radio. And, I, and it was so miraculous that when I was done with it, I could tune it and get like different, you know, radio stations and things like that, you know. Yeah. But but that's one of the thing about, I think one of the big features of a crystal is that you can tune it or, or you can use certain crystals to get certain, to, to get certain frequencies yes and that's one of the big qualities of crystal that you know makes it such a powerful device or um, element whatever you want to call yeah. it yeah yeah and of course the thing is is that <laughs> sitting next to my my cheap replica of the fertility idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark I, I have a crystal that was a gift from my wife I see that yeah. you know and it was there is something about crystals and a lot of scientists have tried to debunk crystal technology as a as a form of healing or calming of course or, they have because they don't understand it yeah i can't figure it out or whatever so but there is automatically it's worthless yeah but <clears throat> from their point of view yeah so i actually have and i was going to bring it with me today and i spaced out on it but um one of my native native american friends gave me a crystal that supposedly came from the cave in Peru, mm -hmm. as you just were talking about, where the Atlanteans got, where they mined their crystals. Yes. Way back when, whenever they were doing that, which is long, long way. Well, there was, there were several um, layers of Atlantean society yeah. going back to, I think, about 200,000 years ago. Sure. Quite, quite a ways back. Um, <clears throat> so, so they used crystals as their main source of energy, basically. Yeah. Um, they also were able to apparently use it as, as healing technology mm -hmm. um, so that they lived quite a long, healthy life as part of that. And that's something that we certainly have not accessed yet in, in terms of that. But, but they had, um, now this is according to Edgar Cayce, they had um, a pyramid that had a large crystal in the in the top of it with a capstone. Yes. And the capstone was kind of like a hood that they could retract and expose it, it was exposed to different types of 
energy. Right. Not only solar energy, but also cosmic energy and earth energy, um, geomagnetic energy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were able to use that for, um, you know, all positive things to, to power their vehicles, both underwater and sure. in the air. And um, then at some point, they, you know, as we were talking earlier about how technology tends to sort of take over. Yeah. Well, there were two two factions in Atlantis, and we've talked about this before. But um, there were the, and this is all this is all Edgar Casey's from Edgar Casey's readings, and one of the groups was a more spiritual group. They they were called the the people of one or the people of the one. Right. Um, and they had more altruistic intent. And then there was another group called the Sons of Belial, who who were more technological and wanted to use the crystal technology for weaponry and that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's when they started. That's when they started going bad. This is where, this this is where society went downhill really quick. Right now, there's two. I read another version of of the Atlantean crystal technology that said they actually had. Um, an orbiting crystal. Mm-hmm. It was called a moon moon crystal, and it was huge. Yeah, and they had they had figured out a way to put it into. It wasn't really in orbit. It was more stationed. Geosynchronous orbit. Yes, um, so that it was it, it was in position to be used by Atlantis at all mm-hmm. times. You know, given the rotation of the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't really rotating independently. Um, of the earth it was in orbit but it wasn't moving you know in a different way um and and what that did was they they had developed some kind of a technology to keep it um suspended in in uh, it was like an anti-gravity kind of technology all right and um when they started to use it as a weapon which kind of harkens back to like uh, Star Wars technology, like or, the Death Star. Yeah, um, it it started to disintegrate. They overloaded it um, because they were draining too much power off of it, I guess, or right. something, and it, to use it as a weapon. And it it fell out of orbit and crashed into Atlantis and took the whole. It actually rocked the whole. It was like a almost like a comet hit, and it rocked the planet and shifted it in its, in its on its axis and that kind of thing. So. That's another whole, that sound, that whole does, spin that, on it. That does yeah. sound. Now, did, could this have been the cause of the the great flood? That, well, that's what this account is saying. Yeah. that it was. Now, this did not come from Edgar, Edgar Casey. Did not talk about that. This is another account. Mm. Yep. This was a channeled, uh, channeled account from some somebody that was channeled. Some, yeah. Uh, but there again, it, it goes back to the same old. Same old, you know, that you have two groups of people, one that have positive intent, um, intent for mankind and another group that wants to use technology. To, and of course, both sides think they're right. Well, of course they do. You know, and, and you know, it sort of always comes down to that. Yeah. In, in, in some sense. So that's what the Atlanteans use the crystals for. And, and, and you know, you have to wonder if... Um, this this was a whole huge society that was you know very very f- much flourishing you know thousands and thousands of years ago and we have very little knowledge left of it you know yeah you know? 
So I think that's what it comes down to. All legends now. Right. It's just nothing yeah, but legends. It, well, you have Plato's account, but you know, some there's a lot of skepticism that he made that up or that it was just hearsay sure. or something. You know. Now the crystal that um, Casey talked about, he actually had a name for it. Um, it was called Tua Oe was the name of the crystal. It was a huge crystal. And, and and what that did was it powered other crystals around the mm-hmm. around the globe, which is what the pyramid network really was. Right. Um, it was a whole grid of of power points. Um now Tua Tua Oi kind of sounds Polynesian, doesn't it? It does. In some sense. Well the the reason for that I think is that it really started out in Lemuria, which I which sure. I think yeah. really was the the mother civilization. The, the original. The original, original civilization before Atlantis. Atlantis was kind of an offshoot of that. Right. And that was in the Pacific. Right. right. So it, it kind of stands to reason that that would have maybe a more Polynesian um, right. linguistic sound to it. According to so many people out there in the in the fringe archaeology mm-hmm. um, community, including Philip Copens, hey, let's, let's try to get him for an interview. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're well, we can get him and Jim Mars at the same time. You're awful. We'll have to have a seance. <laughs> but we can the, get, a, get a crystal, maybe. But there's so much evidence that's that 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 we're looking at and is being suppressed, and because apparently there had been one large global community civilization right, right. and then that started broke up. in lemuria and then lemuria. branched out across the planet and then there was there was then there was the civilization mu mu right and then the one that mata berata talked about mm-hmm. did i pronounce that right i think it's pretty close pretty close yeah and then there's atlantis and it we're seeing this pattern whereas you have a, a large global community or a large powerful country mm-hmm. or, or a state and there are two warring factions within that and that breaks up mm-hmm. and then that breaks off into different pieces and then you have these other are we seeing that here in the United States right now? Yeah, that's pretty I mean when you think about it, yeah. You see what's going it's, on with the close. European, you yeah. see what's happening in the European Union with mm-hmm. Brexit. I wonder if that has anything, you know. Well, who knows? It, it, history does tend to repeat itself. Whenever you get a, any when you group. When you I, don't learn from it. What I've noticed is that whenever there's so any kind of group dynamic, when the group gets to be too big, mm-hmm. it seems to split in half where there's a faction that breaks off and goes and starts their own thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's very beneficial. That's, sometimes that's a that's terrific thing. It can be. It can be. Mm-hmm. And it, as again, long as it's not power based, as long as it's not based when it, on when it's power getting based, more power. When you have one person who says, "I'm in charge," I'm the one who is, the, you know, demands that everybody is submit to his authority. That's mm-hmm. usually when things go bad. When somebody has a messiah complex mm-hmm. and says, "Hey, look at all these great things I've done for you. Um, you guys need to be. Mm-hmm. You guys need to follow me because I'm such a great guy." It's going to be good. It's going to be you, It's going to be so incredible. You're not going to believe it. You're going to get tired of winning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tired yet. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing, there's this, also a story in this this channeled story that yeah. that came when they talked about the, the it was called the second moon, the crystal that was up in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a story where they had an alliance developed with all these different with these two factions and there was one person who was sort of the pivot vote 
Right. And they they sort of the one side the 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 power hungry side flipped him, and they got him to to go to their side. You know, with off with offers of power and right. ego, ego stuff, and and that's exactly what you were just talking about. That's yeah. that happened supposedly way back in the, in that situation too. So it's a, it's an ongoing story. It yeah. just keeps repeating itself. You know, over and over again. Totally learn our lesson, which who knows if we ever will, but. You know, it, it does seem to be a, a repetitive thing that keeps yeah. happening. And maybe it's part of the human weakness, I don't I don't know, mm-hmm. to, to do that. But um, so the, the question in my mind is, if, if you accept the fact that there was this advanced civilization way, way, way back in, in history, where, where did that start from? How did that? Is, is that extra, extraterrestrial in origin? I or? have my bell ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you say Anunnaki? <laughs> I knew you could. I knew it. Ring, there that, you go. ring that bell, Eric. So um, I guess this is a good time to bring in Anton Parks. I referenced him a little bit in the yes in the previous segment that we were our introductory segment. Um, so there's this guy. Um, he's French. And this this all started like in the early seventies when mm-hmm. he was he was like fourteen years old, mm-hmm. and he started getting these flashes, um, like two or three times a day, and it, it, it most of it had to do with the kind of lighting he was in. Mm-hmm. It was usually when he was in a room with a certain kind of lighting, and he he would get these flashes, and what they were were insights into into this ancient civilization and he was actually put into the body of this um i don't know that he was a young priest or something but how this ties in is that he had a crystal that he used as a as a, a recording device um and it was a certain type of crystal his name was sam mm-hmm. um s-a hyphen am which is interesting because that's the that's the name of the main character in, in my book there's a lot of correlations sure, sure. between this guy's work and, and what i'm working on so which which is why it really interested me and this is something that this is one of those kinds of things where you start looking at crystals and then you get all this other knowledge i yeah. actually sent you an interview with him which i did which i'm we're gonna assuming actually, you're gonna read we're, we're gonna and we're gonna link to it on right, uh, right. our homepage. and i sent it to jim too so we can maybe yeah. have a discussion about it so anyway, you get this 14-year-old kid, and he's getting these flashes of this, either it's a past life or some insight into... He's connected to something. Yeah, and, he, and he's channeling this, and it's it's getting like, it's like taking over his life, you know? Yeah. And this went on for years, and his parents were like, they didn't really know what was going on with him. They weren't, yeah, they weren't diminishing him, but they were trying to figure out what was happening. Right. And... Um, as, so, every, every, as, as every good parent would. Yeah. Is there something yeah. going on with my kid? Right. Is my like kid going nuts? He, right. Is he psychotic or something? Yeah. Um, so he was getting all, all these flashes into this civilization that um, he eventually wrote a book about, um, which came out, I think, in the early 90s, which I want to get a hold of. It's called The Secret of the Dark Stars. Yes. It was originally written in French, but now it's been translated into English. So it's, you know, since I don't read French. Right. Um, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna get a copy of it. We can probably talk about. Yeah. It. But but he 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 talks about the he references Zachariah Zitchin and and um, different people 
in this interview that I that I sent to you. But he said there were the Anunnaki were only one faction of reptilians that came yeah. that came to Earth right. early early on in right. history. Um, and there were there were various they were sort of all part of the same race, but they were they mm-hmm. had different there were different classes and he said the Anunnaki were actually a warrior class. Mm-hmm. So they were actually pretty brutal, kind of, and they were the ones that really did the uh, genetic engineering on the human, the early humans, mm-hmm. um, developed as a, as a slave race. But these other other groups were or or were all reptilian, um, and and there was actually a subclass of females that, um, and they, he, and this guy is very interesting. This this Anton Parks mm-hmm. is because he's 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 self educated. But he studied heavily studied in linguistics, and he's figured out the language that many of the Earth languages are based is based in. Even Sumerian was based in the early uh, reptilian language that that these people spoke. And some of the some of the factions within this reptilian race even had their own language for for different purposes. Yeah, um, there was a group of females female reptilians who had their own language that the males didn't know so they could communicate with each other and keep them keep the males, keep the males out of the loop <laughs> to gossip <laughs> well or whatever you know whatever they didn't trust the males they were they were they were more like a can you blame them eh, no, i can't really so so this guy channeled all this stuff and it's really really interesting i mean it really embellishes a lot of the readings that I've done from Zachariah Zitchin and yeah. he, he really just touched on the one part of it the Anunnaki part yeah. of it and yeah. it's, just, it's a much rich, richer history um, than even that mm-hmm. you know and he, he doesn't diminish what uh, Zitchin's work he he just embellishes it kind of and adds to it and, right um, you know in, in I think a very scholarly way it's not He's taking little bits and he's taking little bits and pieces of work that other people have done and sort of tries to bring together a greater narrative. It seems yes, and and also um, analyzed the the words, the Sumerian words for different things, and broken them down into syllables and and broken them down linguistically to to really get what they meant and what the what the symbolism yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, they they put a lot of value in the resonance of language and and and, and how that impacted existence. Because we're we're all talking about the power of sound. It seems exactly. like when well, you're doing same thing. yeah same Whenever you you do any kind of research mm-hmm. into crystals, as it were, right? It always gets back to frequency or sound, absolutely, or absolutely. Fra- or uh, manipulating mm-hmm. light, mm-hmm. what whatever oh, it is. That's what Tesla. Tesla said that. You know, yeah. That was really what is. And supposedly Tesla was downloading a lot of that information. Not, it wasn't original thought. So there part. is something, there is something going on. Right. right. And this goes back to what Grant Cameron was talking about. I don't know if you remember, he said that he, he was actually, he actually channeled some of, he was at a conference or yeah. something and he channeled, um, I forget what he said it was, but some big block of information that he didn't think he was original thought on his part. right and i think that's a pretty um a pretty interesting concept when yeah. you think about that and that's what now this guy put this book the secret of the dark stars out in the form of kind of like a novel yeah but it's it's really not according to him it's really information that he downloaded 
and this this being Sam um, had a crystal and the um, I don't know whether he was Anunnaki or not, but he was one of the subgroups anyway. And he he used it. Well, the Anunnaki anyway used a, used a crystal for for recording information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was called a me, uh -huh. a capital M, capital E. I'm not sure what that stands for. But, right. Well, it was like a recording device. Okay. Sort of like in Star Trek, really. Right. Um, so you know, a pretty interesting story. And and I'd love to be able to get him as a guest. He's probably around. He's probably in his fifties now. Yeah, because he was fourteen in the early seventies. So he's he's still a pretty young guy. So I mean, the question that I have mm -hmm. to sort of attach onto the conversation that we're having about uh, right. about this is that we have a fascination with crystals, whether they're natural forming or not. Mm -hmm. There's something about crystals that we just simply cannot sort of ignore. Well, think about the stuff like the the gypsies mm -hmm. using crystal balls. You know. No yeah. reference to the to the gyps the male gypsies, but right. But there is there's a, there there we seem to think that we seem drawn to crystals mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Anything that's sort of like made out of crystal, we seem to sort of like like we have to have that. And it was just it's like got some kind of intrinsic value that right. we sense on some level, but we can't really pin it down. Yeah, and then there's the um, you know like. Uh, for like special occasions, you have like um, a crystal ware, as it were. My, mm -hmm. my wife has a sample of crystal yeah, ware. Yeah, there's Waterford here. crystal from Ireland. And, yeah, yeah, so a whole bunch of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and, the, and the question is, is that we are drawn to crystals for reasons that we, we like we're drawn to like the ocean or we're, we're drawn mm -hmm. to large bodies of water. It's something in our DNA. There's I something think. in there. Goes goes back probably to and I can Atlantis understand. and beyond. There, like when i was because we joked about this in, in in the in the last segment because um you know me being on the beach and i'm i, I look so much better than i used to well, apparently I've, I've i've lost my spare tire around mm -hmm. my well it's, the, always, it's a good thing yeah yeah and but the thing is that it's like and i went to the ocean with sort of like these dilemmas these things these issues that i was dealing with and we're just walking along the beach back and forth a couple of times and it was just like these dilemmas just just didn't seem that important anymore. Changes your brainwaves. It does. I found that when I every year when I go back to the Jersey Shore, being on the beach really puts me in a different yeah. mind. It really does. There's something about being right next to this large body of water mm -hmm. that is. It's your brain cannot comprehend how big the ocean actually is. Well, it's the air too. There's there there's, is uh, there's different. Um, charge in the air because it's near the ocean i think or something there is there is yeah. there is something that's why people gravitate to the beach that's why, yeah that's why chris christie couldn't help himself <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously a very evolved human being <laughs> I, I think he just wanted to go back into the water with the rest of the porpoises you yeah, know <laughs> well, that's true unfortunately there was no great whites around him waiting for him but yeah I, I agree with that i think there is something innate embedded in our yeah. in, in our dna that makes us gravitate towards certain right. things it's part of our part of our genetic heritage i guess you could say yeah but and there's also and, and we touched upon upon this earlier the entire notion that when we find these crystals like these strange crystal artifacts and i mm -hmm. have a couple of links to them um in, in our show page 
this we have found these strange artifacts I, mean, I don't want to call them alien artifacts or anything like that but mm-hmm. there are these strange artifacts crystal carvings and whatnot and then you find these just these these blocks of crystals and the mm-hmm. question remains for a lot of us is it, when we find these like eric von donegan talked about this cave in peru i have the name written down right. on our show page right. which is the cave where my crystal came from i believe and the thing is is that <clears throat> is there information stored on that because now we're talking about storing terabytes Mm-hmm. What's what's larger than a terabyte? Well, that's, an a terabyte? Very, that's a very interesting question. We're now we're now trying to figure out a way to use lasers to store information on crystals. Has anybody done any sort of research into these crystals that have been found? I don't know. Are, are, do they store information that maybe we should get a hold of? And well, that's the, that's the whole thing with the crystal skulls. That's that's the big question with the crystal skulls. Are are they storage devices? Uh, we want to start talking about the crystal skulls, or yeah, and, sure. Well, you want to give the you want to give an introduction to the crystal skulls, or you, or you want to talk about those, or where there's well, the, there's a lot of information. There's about a lot of there. information out there, and the and I don't think that you can really trust any one source because there's a lot of there's a huge effort afoot to debunk crystal skulls um, because a lot of people have. Sort of like National Geographic had an article about crystal skulls and the origins of the crystal skulls. And apparently a lot of people have found crystal skulls buried all over whether South America. And and mm-hmm. well, and who created them and what was their purpose? A right. lot of people have speculated that they were part of like a death ritual that they symbolizes certain certain gods or certain deities. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of folks who seem to um and they're adamant that they're all fakes because they've not been uncovered during official archaeological digs right. or whatever. And so there's a lot of controversy with them. And of course, there's Indiana Jones, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I thought was a, I thought it was a terrific movie only mm-hmm. because I, I've been reading about um, ancient aliens since 1986. So, right. of course, I mean, it was well, right you know, up my aisle. That, that brings up an interesting point. Um, the. Well, why don't you talk about the premise of that movie a little bit? Well, the the, in, the premise of of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is that um, there was a there was an, a strange crystal skull that was not like any of the other, like the Mitchell Hedgens skull. Mm-hmm. It was you know had a elongated back of the head, and it obviously did not look human, and it had these magnetic um, properties, and it would attract other. Me- other metals besides just ferrous metals like it you know because the thing is like gold is not magnetic but it it attracted everything anything Mm -hmm. and everything metal and it had these strange psychic effects to them Mm -hmm. and it's the the movie takes a lot of liberties with with crystal skulls the like the the actual crystal skulls that have been uncovered Mm -hmm. um but but the thing is is that they seem to be tied into an ancient civilization that predates our own, obviously. There or, you go. It goes back to what we were just talking about. Or really. or they're all fakes. And the thing is that it was like there are people who are adamant that they're either all fakes 
or there is more to them than 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 we know. Right. And there are some. Well, the storyline in the movie that was it. They were they were supposed to be brought together. Yeah, there was right. it was it was brought together, and and when the when the when the crystal skull was put back, the um all the all the crystal skeletons combined back together for to create one being who had to go home. I guess, but the, one of the things is, is that what Kingdom of the Crystal Skull did was that it sort of married these other movies that had been done by Steven Spielberg right. and George Lucas. Who, who wrote that? You know, um, George Lucas. George that? Lucas came up with the idea. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of who was the co-writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, and and the thing is that it's like I. I I mean, for me, it was an it, look. It's it, it's just a movie. Mm-hmm. It was. It, it, I thought it was a very enjoyable movie. There are other adamant Indiana I, I Jones think, fans who didn't I, like it as much as I did. Yeah, but. well, it did. It did get some negative um, feedback on it, but it brings again that that idea of channeling. Where, where did this idea come from? You know, there's some thought that Lucas channeled the Star Wars idea, sure. and, and maybe this was the same kind of thing. And and Spielberg is in that loop. You know, um, in terms of bringing forward some kind of a message to the human race, um, and you know, he has a knack for wrapping it up in a, in a package that's entertaining, which makes it accessible by people, and and they may be, you know, getting something from it that they don't even realize just by watching the movie, you know. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting that that. That was way back. When was that movie made? That was back in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, two thousand eight. Was it that? I thought it was even earlier than that. But I'm not going to question you on that, Eric. So, um, but the Crystal Skulls themselves have have an interesting history. Um, the the one you referenced, the the Mitchell Hedges. Yep, Crystal Skull. That's the most famous one of all. I think it is. Yeah, um, that was actually discovered. As part of an expedition, there was a guy um, called Frederick Mitchell Hedges. He was an mm-hmm. English explorer, explorer, adventurer. Um, a lot of people actually sor- sort of liken him to Indiana Jones. Sure. In some sense in his... A lot of people work. seem to think that, that George Lucas and Philip Kaufman, the, 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 the people who originated the Indiana Jones, may have used, him, may have as used a, him as a model. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, so he was on a, an expedition, um, and he had a sense that there was a, a ruin that was overgrown with foliage or whatever. So he set it on fire, and once the fire calmed down and went out, sure enough, there was a temple there. And he happened to have his 17-year-old daughter with him, Anna. Yeah. Um, and she was kind of digging around, and she uncovered the crystal skull. Um so you know that's kind of interesting, and the and the the tribal people that were there accompanying them went went bonkers. I mean, they they were like singing and dancing, and you know, kind of like it was a big deal. Like like they somehow knew what it was, right? What you know what it represented anyway, and they were kind of you know worshiping it. So that's that's the way that one was uncovered, and and you know, and that's been studied and. There's really no sign that it was carved with any kind of metal. There's no serrations in it or anything. It's right. really totally smooth. There's no tool markings, <clears throat> allegedly. No, allegedly. It's been studied under a microscope and, and yeah. you know, a lot of, there has been a lot of scientific study of it, I think. Or at least some, anyway. Yeah. And um, the only way that they 
postulate that it could have been done was by sanding it and just using, just rubbing it over rubbing with it, which rubber, would have taken they figure about three hundred years, generations of people to have right. done that. Um, the the real kicker is that the jaw, which is movable, is all part of the same piece of crystal. Yeah. So and if it was done by tooling it, it would have it would have broken because there's a there's a fissure in it or something in the crystal yeah. itself. So there's really no way that it could have been done um, by traditional means, sure. supposedly anyway. Um, so that's that's a famous one. Um, there's another one called Max. Yes. Did you read about that one? And that is in possession, I think she still has it, of a lady who, her daughter was dying of cancer and um, <clears throat> she went to a, a shaman, I think. And she supposedly had three months to live, that daughter. And he was he used this crystal skull, which these skulls apparently have healing properties. Right. If, they're, if you know how to access it. Yeah. Um, and the daughter lived another three years as a result of this shaman's work with the skull. Yeah. Um, so he gave it to he gave it to this lady as a gift, I think. And he said he had gotten it from some other Guatemalan shaman, I think, or something. And. So she's taking that around kind of on tour. Um, yeah. I don't know where the name Max comes from. But, oh, actually, she was. She said she heard voices and things coming from it, so she put it in the closet in a box. Yeah. And it, she had been referring it to it as the skull, and she got like a, a voice coming through that said, no, I'm not, a, I'm not called Skull, I'm called Max. So I don't know where that comes from, but yeah. anyway, that's where the name came from. So then she, you know, sort of let took took it around and let people look at it and stuff. And and the the Mitchell Hedges skull stayed with with Anna, the daughter, um, and she lived to be like a hundred. Yep. And she she credited the skull for keeping her health so good for all those years. You know, and and people said that they different people maybe people that were more sensitive said that they heard voices coming from it they could sense a lot like, of people have said things like right, that they could sense yeah. temperature changes when they were in the room with it and um, there's people who have actually seen images inside of it yeah like a string of pyramids um, things like that so you know weird weird kind of stuff going on with it um, now that now the Native Americans believe that this came as part of some kind of extraterrestrial technology that was brought to Earth. And there Can you 12, blame them? No, it seems likely. You know, it seems like it fits right in with their belief system. Yeah. Um, so there, originally there were 12 of them um, that represented 12 inhabited planets. 12 skulls? 12 skulls represented okay. 12 inhabited planets. Yeah. There was a skull for each planet. Yeah. And they were brought to Earth and supposedly when... They were brought, now this kind of goes back to the Steven Spielberg movie, when they were reunited with a, thir there's a 13th skull. Mm -hmm. It would, it would um, re reunite all of, all of the planets in, in sort of a, you know, uh, an alliance, I guess, or something like that. Yeah. Um, now, oddly enough, that supposedly, uh, and I couldn't find anywhere this was actually documented, but there was a skull found in Germany. Yeah. Did you hear about that? I did not hear about that. Uh, and it was in a it was in a it was in a wooden box in a in a house, and supposedly it belonged to Heinrich Himmler. No kidding. Yeah, and that's supposed to be the thirteenth skull. 
So this is recent. This so where are you supposed to bring this? Yeah. 2009, I think. Um, so I don't think all the 13 skulls have ever been reunited. I, there's, or have they? I mean, I, you would think that we would have heard of it, but the thing is, is that that's one of those things where it's like you want to just go to the internet, 13 skulls reunited, yeah, and see what, yeah, you, see what you yeah. come up with. I, I couldn't really find anything about that. And there's, al there's also um, crystalskull.com, which has a lot of really interesting information. And yeah. What'd you, you read could, off of that? Just a lot. There's well, there's a lot of like like each each skull has its own story, and the thing mm -hmm. is is that they're not all made out of quartz crystal. There are many other skulls of varying shapes and sizes, mm -hmm. and made out of different material. Like some are made of like an onyx or something. There's one that's made out of an onyx, and there's mm -hmm. another one that's made out of jade. Um, jade, jade. Or there's one that's made from jade, and there's another one that's made out of milky white quartz. Mm. Um, and it it's very it's very interesting. Whereas it's like, what is the fascination with taking a rock or any kind of material that you can think of, and then using you know sandpaper or using like leather straps to to wear it down to turn it into the shape of a skull and and, and generations doing this. Yeah, if that's the way that they, they do, do it, why would they do What's that? What's the intent behind that? What's yeah. the point of that? I know it's. It's crazy when you think about it. And why a skull? Out of all the things that you would want to make out of this material, why a skull? Mm -hmm. Because the thing is... Well, it is represents it, something, obviously. There's some symbolic... Represents knowledge, the brain, mm -hmm. you know, the... the, the, the because if you th what what what's the purpose of a skull to hold your brain, you know, at the top yeah, of your it's, neck? Yeah, it's a vessel. <laughs> it's a vessel, right, it's pr and protection of it. Yeah. I mean, is that what the, is that what it's there for? Is it, is it supposed to represent something? Hard to say. Yeah, that's that's all conjecture. But uh, a question in my mind, and kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with the, the qualities of crystal. Is there some information recorded in those skulls? How would we, you know? We, well, we don't know how to access it. That's the thing. But that that's a big question for me. What, you know, some people, the, the Native Americans in their cosmology believe that the um, history of the planet is recorded in, in one or more of these skulls. So that if we could access that, we could go back and see, um, you know, what happened way back when. It, it, it can record energy. Do you remember a couple of shows that we did? Maybe it was a year ago when we were talking about how lay, the layout of of certain parts of the world mimic circuit boards. Yes, I do remember that, and, and I think that's true. And there was this. And one of the things that I had also had sort of discovered is or rediscovered is the um, uh, Baghdad battery. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, this is clay jar right. and it has a like a asphalt stopper and a copper tube burning through it and you put some vinegar in it and you can get like what one watt of power out mm -hmm. of it. Right. So that shows that there was some knowledge of that kind of technology way back. Why? When. Why? Good question. I don't I don't know. It was used for something to power something. I mean, you know, you know, why why did they need electricity back then? How did they have the knowledge to create something like that? Good question. Hard to say. And you also got, we have to wonder, is like, was their entire technology built on a different paradigm than ours? Because... Well, I would think if, if in fact, they did have, there was a sophisticated society way back when, um, they would have had some power grid, some power source. And, and according to Casey, it was, a, was based on crystals. It was a series of crystals all around the planet that 
um, were powered by this one kind of mega crystal, whether it was up in the up in the sky or um, as part of Atlantis, um, that could be used or accessed wherever you were on the planet, based on where and the the location of the of the different pyramids was part of it too. Mm-hmm. Like the Great Pyramid in in Egypt is centrally located on the planet, you know. So it's 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 a strategic location. It wasn't it wasn't just randomly placed there, you know. Yeah. If anybody would think it was, it'd be hard to believe, but you know. So so obviously there was this huge power grid at one time that was used to power flying machines and underwater craft and and probably land craft too. Things that we can't possibly imagine now. No. No. Outside, you know, outside the realm of science fiction, of course. Well, yeah. yeah. But it makes me wonder, because the thing is, we also did a show a couple, um, recently about the Brookings Institute memo. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how um, how is NASA going to handle finding alien artifacts that could be on Venus, the moon, Mars. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we speculated, why would, why would they even think about that? Why would they even mention that in, a, in an official document? Right, right. They must know something. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we're expecting to find crystal skulls on, on, on other, in other places knows? within possible. the solar system? It's possible. Possible. You know? The, the thing is, I don't know why these things aren't studied more. You know, if we could, if, if in fact that is some kind of a recording device and it's got whole history of the planet say you know on it what why would people not try to access that there must be some way to access well, there's, it. There, there would be a reason why our government would not want to check this would not want this information out there because they would ruin the paradigm well yeah yeah but you, and, and, and the next logical question is is that knowledge being suppressed or is it not intentionally not being worked on i mean they work on all other kinds of crazy stuff you know i mean that i mean to me that's not even crazy but um, why would there not be some kind of funding for that to to reference that? Um, I think the the problem that that a lot of people have with all of this is because of the obvious fakes. Because there are a lot of people who there's the story of this of this one person who was working at the Mesoamerican section of the Smithsonian, and he received um, a crystal skull in the in the mail, and he had it studied, and it turned out to be a it turned out to be a a, a really good fake, but it was mm-hmm. a fake. And there's a lot of these stories where people claim. Well, what did they base that on? Was it because? It oh, was, because they found like actual tool markings okay. and. So they knew it was done by. And the sticker at the bottom that said "Made in China." Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't. Know. But it was. It was obvious. A, it was obviously a fake. Mm-hmm. And the question remains: Is that how much of all of this information has because it's so convoluted, and because mm-hmm. that there are so many people trying to create these fakes, make these hoaxes, right? They create the, these hoaxes in in the hopes for of, you know fame, fortune, glory, and all this attention. So the thing is, is that there has to be sort of a litmus test, as it were, to determine whether or not a, a skull is authentic or not. And it was just like as time progresses and technology progresses, and how we're able to make things and create things out of thin air with three D printers or, or or whatever. 
at, at what point are, is the market going to be so saturated with all these fakes that's hard to tell, you know? Well, that's true. Yeah, I guess. I There's always that, that danger. That's one of the, that's from the National Geographic article that I read, whereas it's like with all these people making all these like really good fakes that it's going to be really hard to determine. Did they... Did they study the Mitchell Hedges? They actually, they actually did. And, and what did so, they say? There's so many people who say, well, obviously it's a fake because blank, whatever. Yeah. And the thing is that it was just like, because you have so many people debunking the Mitchell's Hedges skull. And now it's just, now it's just a joke to people because they won't take it seriously because it's been, quote, debunked mm-hmm. so often. By mainstream science. Sure. Yeah. And the thing is, it's and it's in their best interest to debunk it. I guess I would think, yeah, because it sort of sets up a whole new paradigm. In all of your research, did did you find any evidence whatsoever that people have tried to bring the three t- thirteen skulls together, I or the twelve skulls I together? I can't say I looked into that heavily, but yeah, uh, it'd be worth checking out. Because the thing is, is that every time I did a search for Sounds like, like a good movie, yeah. it does. You know, it's curious to me that nobody has really made a good movie about Atlantis. I mean, like, a, I mean, there, there was an old one that uh, came out in the 60s. Yeah, you and something. Jim were talking yeah, about. Yeah, and it was okay. It was kind of hokey, but. Right. You know, and it and there was, a I think, a BBC show about Atlantis that was. Right. You know, was not and there was Stargate Atlantis, which was okay. Yeah, but it doesn't really get to the, to the whole. I mean, I'd like to see a movie about. Um, Atlantis that's that's really credible. Yeah. And it has good writing and really sets up the conflict between the two factions and, and how that all played out. Sort of it's like a, a like sort of like a Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's got a great it's got a great premise right out of the gate, you know, just from what Casey has Casey downloaded about the two factions in Atlantis that you know. And it and it's got a good moral um, philosophical viewpoint to it's to a great morality at. tale it really is for even for today as we talked about earlier. i think that, that that would be a great question to pose to the listeners hey have have you guys found any really great stories based upon there's the disney movie starring michael j fox that was a great cartoon i guess yeah you know? i didn't i've never seen that actually but. yeah it's not bad it's not bad um, but no, I, I think that that's the question for a lot of people. Like, like, what do you think about the Crystal Skulls, and how come nobody has made a decent movie about Atlantis? Right. Yeah, two two very very viable questions. I think. Um, you know, the the Crystal Skulls, I think, are something that people have to make an individual decision about whether they think they're viable or not. Yeah. Or real or not. I happen to think they are. Like you said, there's so many fakes that it sort of clouds the whole the whole issue. You know. Of what the, what the, the subject real ones the are. subject has been muddled, yeah, by of course commerciality or yeah. whatever reason they make those things. And as we continue <clears throat> to explore the solar but, system, but are the are the fakes even capable of if they are actually made out of crystal? Are they actually capable of imbuing some kind of power to the person that owns it in some way? You know, we we were joking before, kind of about gypsies with crystal balls. I was well, you, well. We were talking about. It. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wasn't joking about it, but you know. Well, I talked about the male gypsies having crystal balls. <laughs> See, <laughs> See, I think I think you missed that, Eric. <laughs> That's why I had. It felt like I had to re re. re no, because revisit, I'm ta- revisit that. I, I'm, I'm taking you so seriously here. I'm so I into the I topic. I, I can't know. believe that you would make a joke about that. Okay. Well, anyway, it's an old joke. I, I didn't even think of it. <laughs> but but 
the gypsies use that as a way of seeing the future, apparently. So there you go. It's it's the power of crystal, you know. Yeah. Even if you know if gypsies were orlatans, <laughs> I don't know, but but it's there's some reason why that object was used. There's some significance. There's something about it. that. There's something right. about crystal. Right. Even if they're modern artifacts or modern constructs, yeah, there's still something where the, to Where did the gypsies get that from? You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. There, there did, we, I think we talked um, on several shows back, maybe way back, about the guy, Dr. Ray Brown, who was diving with a group of people in, yeah. in the um, Atlantic. Yes. Near Bimini, I think. Right. And he says that he discovered um, a pyramid. Yes, and he went inside, and he and he saw a crystal. Um, he saw a, a, a metal rod with a red crystal attached to it, like a ruby. Yeah, crystal. and he tried to dislodge it; and he couldn't get it off. But there was another, there was a hand, like a metallic hand, like made out of copper or something, that had a round crystal ball in it. Um, and he got that one, and he brought it back. And um, he claims. I'm not sure whether he's still alive or not even, but um, he claims that it had certain powers. Yeah. And um, he could he's seen images in it, so he says. And other people, too, have said that. They've seen images of pyramids. Yeah, and, and, and there you go. And there's one yeah. actual um, image of a UFO in it. Yeah. Um, that's supposedly somebody took a photograph of. I wasn't able to find that. but So that's kind of interesting, too. So, But that goes back to the whole Atlantis idea of, of that being... You know, a sunken, a piece of a sunken civilization that utilized crystals. I think one of the things that we're dealing with here, especially here on the metaphysical connection here, is that we just keep talking about um, searching. Because, because I was, I was looking at this watch. It just it occurred to me because of the crystal face. Yeah. Well, it's got yeah. It's got crystal. And the crystal face and the and the crystal, crystal face and actually it also has crystal. Um, movement right this 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 eco driver watch the crystal face charges the battery there you go there you go perfect perfect example but the thing is is that the metaphysical connection keeps coming back to the the original topic of lost civilizations absolutely or it, the lost civilization it's a recurring theme everything kind of feeds into that yeah you know so i one, one little interesting tidbit i i ran into with a um, the channeled mm-hmm. knowledge about Atlantis. Um, supposedly they were experiencing, and this was actually in the original kind of hokey movie where they were, they were creating mutants out of cross, cross um, yep. breeding humans and animals, or, or at least genetically. Kind of like the, the them. island of Dr. Moreau. Yes. And supposedly now this is through this channeled information um, that Bigfoot, is is the remnant of that breeding program with humans and gorillas? Mm-hmm. That was part of that channel information, which is which is kind of interesting when you think about it. Yeah, it so, is. Who knows? I don't know. We need to get a copy of that movie, the old Atlantis movie. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I, I guess you can get it. I don't know. Yeah, look it on look on eBay or something. I, I think that, that would Probably be have to get it in VHS or something. You know? Who knows? Maybe, it, yeah, it, maybe it, it's been re. re, re uh, yeah, reissued reissued on yeah. on blu-ray dvd Something. or yeah, or we get that you know it, i mean it is hokey but it's it's got all it's got some of the premises in there that they probably used plato's account to to a certain degree anyway, yeah you know? yeah 
Well, anyway, Walt, this has been an amazing show. Once again, it's great to have you back. And then uh, in two weeks from now, we're going to start. Kids are going to be back in school, so we're going to be able to do more in-depth shows and what like what like. uh, Well, we we um, I have some some guests. I'm trying to act. I'd like to try to get a hold of Anton. Yes, possible. Yeah, Uh, I'm not even sure that he speaks English, but. he granted this long interview to this this writer, which, yeah. I, which is what I sent you and Jim. By the way, I think Jim may make a reappearance next week. Oh, next, I hope so. Show. He's been missed. A lot of people will not He's, stop asking me about Jim. So we'll see if we we can uh, yeah. get him back here. Yeah. Maybe he's just about reached the entrance, the exit of the salt mine. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe, 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 maybe Jim... Uh, Jim Morrison will finally let him let him out again. <laughs> Maybe let him go. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think that um, um, for this upcoming season, um, because the thing is, is that we we have a big, huge Halloween show to uh, um, to think about because, yeah, and uh, you know what we haven't done? We haven't talked about The Exorcist yet, the TV show. We have. Is that still on? I, I they're they're doing season two. They're oh, doing yeah. season two. I, I sort of fell off the wagon on that, but yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, I just want to do a shout out to um, is it William Jackson. Yes. Um, I didn't realize he, he he lives in Salem, New Jersey. Yep. And I used to live in. He'll he'll know where this is. He and only he will know where this is. Lower Alloways Creek is where I used to live. Oh, that's incredible. Which, which is just a muskrat's throw away from from Salem. <laughs> yeah. The reason why I say that is because they actually still trap muskrats there. And yeah. Use the pelts and he'll he'll know. I bet. So, I bet. Thanks. Thanks for uh, sitting in for me, William, and taking up the slack while I was while I was vacationing. And John Pika and, and his John amazing Pica too. and his amazing story. Yeah. So thanks, guys, for for filling my void. Yeah. Ad- admirably. Absolutely. So. so um, so yeah, um, so, have yourself some muskrat tonight, William. And they actually have a dinner. They actually have a muskrat dinner. They, I, they, I'll, I'll take your word I, for I, it. I, I never went to it, but um, sounds appetizing. That you'll tell us. <laughs> All right. So um, send us your send us your requests. Send us your uh, your suggestions for future shows and thoughts on the crystal skulls. What and you, thoughts on those, the crystal skulls, think absolutely. Those babies are. And one and also we uh, we got to get our membership up for on our on our Facebook group page. So tell all your friends. Are to, we losing uh, members? No, we're not losing members. But I because I, the thing is we got a great product and we got to get the word out. Mm-hmm. So we had a surge there for a while. We, we, we quite a few new we, we, we did, you know, you know, because because of our guests, so we got to get some more special guests. But the thing is, is that um, if uh, if you bring a new member to our club, we'll let you have a pony. We won't buy it for you, but we'll let you have one, and we'll we'll send you a picture of Eric on the beach shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. So you can you can fulfill all your fantasies with that. <laughs> we 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 want to entice people in. <laughs> I like the one guy who said you you had to get a get a tan. You burned my retina. <laughs> oh, you got some. You got some. Some. Uh, I got some. Get to, you got some some hateful comments. I got you. some mean friends. <laughs> you do. You do. It was funny though. <laughs> hey, if you can make people smile, Eric, that's all that's my doing. job. You know, that's, that's good enough. You know. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them, yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, and form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on.